bruising. Good to be back. I heard Scott O'Neill did a great job last week for filling in. Uh, so we were at my mother-in-law's memorial service in Florida. Uh, so I'm thankful that he was able to fill in. It sounds like we had a good discussion. So that was good to hear. We're going to be talking about a challenging topic today. Another one of the one anotherings, uh, forgiving one another. But first, we'll we'll go ahead and get started in prayer, and then I'll. Um, I just kind of open it up to see uh, from last week if there was any more conversation or thoughts you had on that, and then we'll dive into it today. So there's actually two handouts. If anyone needs one, um, it's three pages, well, front and back, and then one page, and then there's a handout actually in the back. So that's kind of why I was passing it out separate, uh, just so you knew that there's a couple pages there. So if you need one of these, um, just raise your hand or let me know, and I'll be glad to give you one. Uh, but let's go to the Lord first in prayer, and then we'll get started. Our dear Heavenly Father, Lord, it is a privilege and an honor to, to be here today. Lord, I thank you for each and every person in this room. Today, as we talk about one of the perhaps most challenging one another's, forgiving one another, I pray that you will give us understanding and insight. Lord, it takes grace. It takes your spirit to enable that within us to forgive other people when we have been sinned against in some deep ways, perhaps. Thank you again for your mercy, Lord. Thank you for forgiving us in such a powerful way. That's in your name we pray. Amen. So how about any thoughts from last week? Anything that you had maybe been chewing over or uh, dwelling, dwelling upon? Uh, Scott had talked in Romans 12 there, verses 9 to 21, I believe. So any thoughts uh, from that? If not, that's okay. I'll get, get the folks who are coming in. I'll get you to be taking the action to see what the station is.
Anybody else like a copy? made fun of me in Tennessee for giving up so many copies that complained I was going to use up all the trees. <laughs> but when I looked around and saw the forest, I wasn't too worried about that. <laughs> so, okay. Today we are going to be diving into uh, forgiving one another. There are several um, passages, several verses that, that directly state that this is a one another command. So I've got those there on your notes. Ephesians 4, 32. Uh, Colossians and Colossians 3.13, and then we'll be talking about some other ones. So before we get into this, let's just look at Ephesians 4.32 there. And that says, Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ has also forgiven you. And we see uh, something very similar in Colossians 3.13, Bearing with one another and forgiving one another, whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave, so also should you. So we'll be talking about what that looks like today, um, forgiving one another. But let's start off with a discussion question. What is forgiveness? Would anybody care to perhaps uh, explain your definition of forgiveness for us? Good. So it's talking about wrongs and putting them in the past. Okay. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean forget. Mm -hmm. we, we still have a brain. We still remember things. But when it no longer has the power to control you, you don't feel consumed by it. Yeah. Very good. Mm -hmm. No longer holding something against the person as if they have to repay you or that you could still punish them in the future. Yeah, I like that. Mm -hmm. Getting grace. Mm -hmm. Very good. That leads us to another question. What challenges do you see when it comes to forgiveness? Maybe within either yourself or that you've observed in other people. So I think you, you've got some, you brought some great insights to the definition of forgiveness. Um, but what challenges to forgiveness have you run into? My humanness. <laughs> wanting to hold that against that person. Wanting to have them be paid back for what they did to me. Yep. That's exactly right. That's good. Yeah. I love to carry my little grudge. <laughs> Pulled up from time to time. Remind myself how much better I am than they are. Yeah. I think that's exactly right, Brent. Kind of like that, that ace card that we have in the back pocket. When we uh, play against their cards, we like to pull it out if we need it. 
So we're going to address um, today, time permitting, we'll address some common challenges that people have to forgiveness. Uh, but I'd like to start with a story. This is a true story. It happened on November 8th, 1994. Scott and Janet Willis were driving through the Milwaukee area uh, on the way back to Chicago. Um, they were on I-94. They had six children in the minivan with them. And uh, they had been, been up in the Milwaukee area coming back. They were laughing together, having fun throughout, throughout most, most of the trip right there. Um, so they stopped and got gas, and then they put the children to bed, and they were finishing up the drive back to Chicago. Um, but uh, suddenly, as, as they're driving down I-94, um, an object fell off the truck, the semi-truck, in front of the Willis's. And uh, Scott saw it, but he didn't have enough time. He, he figured, well, if I swerve, I'm going to sideswipe somebody. Um, so he thought, uh, I'll, I'll run over this object. So a large metal object, it fell off in front of him. So he runs over the object. Well, what happened was um, it got wedged underneath of his vehicle. It punctured the gas tank. And as this metal is dragging and he's trying to come to a stop, uh, the sparks ignited it. And by the time he got the vehicle stopped, the whole thing was on fire. So Scott and his wife got out of the van. They tried to get the kids out, but it's engulfed. And some of them died instantly. Um, their son, Benny, was in the midst of burning. His clothes were mostly burned off by the time he got off. The five youngest children died instantly. And Benny died in intensive care around midnight. This happened in the 90s here. But it got worse. So that, as bad as that was, that wasn't even the worst of it. They had found some comfort in knowing that their child had their children hadn't died in, had died instantly, uh, but then months later they found out that some of them hadn't. So initially they were told, "Oh, your your children they, they didn't feel a thing; they died instantly." Later on they found out that actually wasn't true; they, they were in a lot of pain. Uh, they found that the driver of the semi got his license illegally through then Governor George Ryan. You remember him? Um, who was charged with the bribery scandal. So this unqualified driver had got his license through uh, George Ryan there. Um, and ironically, Janet had voted for Governor Ryan that very same day of the accident. So on the morning of the accident, that driver also had failed to ignore repeated warnings from other drivers that there was a large piece of metal about to fall off the back of this truck. So they had all of that. Now, question for you all. How should they respond to both the driver and to George Ryan? I guess we all know how we are going to spend it. I should keep to myself. <laughs> How, how would you respond if you were the Willises knowing all this and you're in that situation now? Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, so, so something we recognize that we can't do this on our own, it's too difficult. So think about it as two extremes. On one extreme, you could respond with anger and bitterness, right? I think we could all relate to that, being angry at the driver, angry at George Ryan for this. But maybe you haven't considered the other extreme. And the other extreme would be automatic forgiveness with no, with no accountability of actions. And that, that extreme may sound like a more spiritual thing. We just forgive them and forget and move on. Or you have anger and bitterness. But have we maybe considered that neither one of those are really right? So this whole topic of forgiveness is challenging because, for one, theologically, there's some different viewpoints on forgiveness. Is forgiveness unconditional? Do you, do you forgive no matter what, no matter if the person has confessed and owned up to it or not? Do you just forgive? Or is forgiveness conditional? Meaning, it's you forgive conditioned on their, their repentance. Or is it both of those? So that's what, that's what we want to look at today. We want to see, is there, is there actually a better way than either one of these two extremes right there? But we start first with really the, the nature of forgiveness. And that's in your notes as the challenge of forgiveness. So forgiveness is at the heart of Christianity. It's an essential mark of a disciple. I don't think that any of us would disagree with that. Uh, notes up here, if anybody needs them, I'll pass them out. Anybody else? mind to read that verse, Matthew 6.15, to see this? We, we really see in that verse how seriously God takes forgiveness. So Matthew 6.15. If you find it, just go ahead and read it out. And speak, speak really, really loud if you don't mind so everybody can hear. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Thank you. Christians, we've got to take that seriously. We can talk about what that means, but I think we would all probably agree that God takes forgiveness very seriously. There's, there's a big problem if we don't forgive. Uh, now, it can be, now what Jesus is saying in that verse is he's not basing our salvation off of, um, He's not saying that you lose your salvation. If you don't forgive, that means you've lost your salvation. But what he's saying there is that forgiveness is a mark, an indication of somebody who has been saved. So forgiven people forgive. And if we refuse to forgive, it casts a question on whether or not we have been forgiven. So that's what Jesus is saying in that passage right there. So it can be a little bit paradigm shifting to, to think that the person who refuses to forgive has actually done worse than the person who has sinned against them. 
So the one who refuses to forgive is in a worse place than the one who has sinned against them. And that's not something we would normally think. We would normally think, well, what they did was worse. Yeah, I'm just, I'm just struggling to forgive them, but it's not as bad as what they did to me. But Jesus flips it around and says, no, you're actually in a more dangerous spot than they have because you're, you're refusing to forgive them. So what, what is the biblical solution when somebody sins against us? How do we, how are we supposed to respond? Well, I think you know the, you know the answer is what we're talking about today. It's forgiveness. So that would raise the question, what is forgiveness? What exactly is that? And I like to think of, we'll, we'll you know, unpack the definition of forgiveness here, but I like to think of forgiveness as a promise, a threefold promise. So when you're, when you're saying that I forgive you, uh, there in your notes you have A, B, and C, what you're saying is, first, I will not bring this sin up to myself, to myself. So if I dwell on that sin about what the person has done to me, I haven't forgiven them yet. I'm still, I still got it. I'm still dwelling on it. So I'm promising not to dwell on that sin myself. Second, I will not bring this up to you to hurt you with it. I will not bring this up to you to hurt you with it. So the first part was about myself. The second part was in relationship with the other person. I'm not going to have that, that sin back in my back pocket to pull it out and jab it with them whenever I feel like it. I'm promising not to do that. And then C, I promise not to bring it up to others. I promise not to bring it up to others. So forgiveness is that threefold promise right there of what we're promising to do in relationship to the other person. Now, this is kind of general because we still haven't talked yet about have they repented? Have they asked for forgiveness? We haven't talked about any of that yet. We'll get to that. But, but in general, if you're saying that you forgive somebody, this is a promise you're making toward that person. So forgiveness is a promise for the repentant uh, to forgive as does God. And those two passages that we looked at in Ephesians and Colossians remind us of that, that we are promising to that person to forgive them as God forgives them. So notice how Paul puts that clause in those two passages right there. He doesn't just say forgive, but what does he add? Yes. Mm -hmm. So he sets the standard. So the one thing is, if Paul just said forgive them, there's probably a lot we could put in that category. Well, I did forgive them, God. Uh, you know, here's, here's what it looks like. But then he's like, oh, as God forgave you. Oh, oh yeah, okay. So as we forgive other people, we have to dwell on how God forgave us. And that becomes the manner in which we forgive them as well. So when a sin is committed, a debt is incurred. So it's helpful to think of forgiveness in terms of like a transaction, a financial transaction in a way. When somebody sins against you, they have a debt now that's occurred. They, in a sense, owe you. Okay, so, so there, there's a debt, there's an outstanding debt there. Uh, that debt is either going to be paid by the person in hell forever 
or by God in the presence of, of Christ. So either way, God's wrath will be perfectly satisfied. So that debt is going to get paid somehow. If the person does not repent, if they do not trust Christ for the forgiveness of their sins, they will have to pay for that in hell. But if they do trust Christ for the forgiveness of their sins, then Jesus is the one who pays that debt. So we, we kind of become the middleman, so to speak. Uh, it's like we've been wronged, but what are we going to do with that? Are we going to trust that to Jesus if that person has um, turned to him in forgiveness? Or are we going to try to make that person pay us back the debt? So we'll talk about that a little bit more here. Um, so as, as, we're, as we're working through this, here's another question. How do forgiveness and the consequences of sin relate to each other? How do forgiveness and the consequences of sin relate to each other? So think about this story. You know, one of your kids, uh, you, you tell them not to go in the cookie jar. You say, you know, dinner's in an hour. Don't get in the cookies. And you happen to go by the kitchen, uh, you know, 15 minutes later, and they're chomping on the cookies. Okay? And they're very, very sorry. Uh, and they say, you know, please forgive me. And you say, okay, I'll forgive you. But how does that then relate to the consequences of their sin? Here's maybe another example, then I'll let you all discuss. Somebody has wronged you. They've broken your trust. They've done something against you. And you, you tell them, and they ask for forgiveness, and you say, I forgive you. Maybe they stole your car, okay? Maybe, maybe you, um, you give them your keys. Like, yeah, go ahead and move my car out there. And they take off to Peoria, you know, and they steal your car. <laughs> and the police catch them and stuff, and they come back, and they're so sorry, and you get your keys back. And they say, will you forgive me? And you say, yes, I'll, I'll forgive you. But how does that relate then to the consequences of their sin? What are your thoughts on that? We should be sure that when we extend forgiveness, that there, if there are any natural consequences that still exist, that they're proportional to what happened. Okay. In my anger with my children, the consequence I give is not always proportional to what they did. Because I'm angry and I'm going to make it right, and then later usually I cool down and realize, well, that was stupid. Uh -huh. <laughs> when I forgive them, I have to ensure that uh, in order for that to be real, that I'm not extending consequences that are beyond what they did. Yeah, I like that. It's very well. Glenn, did you have a thought? Mine is the same thing. I'm not going to say trust is wrong, but also disappointment comes with that, too. Mm -hmm. when, especially as a parent, and you, you tell your kids, not get in the cookie jar. You tell them for their own their own good, and it's just disappointment that kind of goes in play with that over too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think forgiveness also stands in kind of a restoration process. If you have the right heart, I mean you're purely forgiving the person like about the car, okay. Well let's restore you, get you to where you can go back to um where you are not tempted to commit another crime. How do we do that brother? It's another one another. It should be tied in properly as a relation to okay. mm -hmm. Good. 
So one of the mistakes that people often fall into when it comes to forgiveness is thinking that forgiveness eliminates the consequences of their sin. And typically that falls on the person who has been the offender. So they'll come to you and, and there's almost this expectation, well, I ask you for forgiveness, so we should just forget what happened. Is that always true? No, not always. So forgiveness does not necessarily mean all the consequences are eliminated. In the case of somebody stealing the car, it doesn't mean that you should give them, that you should entrust them with the keys to that for a while. Um, for the kid, for your kids in the cookie jar, it doesn't mean that they should not be paddled or not be disciplined in some way. Now, there are some sins in which they're relatively minor, so to speak, um, and there aren't necessarily consequences. We can forgive and continue to go forward, but there are some more serious sins, some sins that have other impacts that it doesn't mean the consequences are eliminated. So we've got to be careful from the standpoint of us forgiving that, one, we recognize that distinction, but we've got to be careful, too, when we say we've forgiven later on down the road uh, to, to make sure that we're not confusing um, the, our forgiveness with their consequences. So here's another example. Uh, a husband, uh, he's had some addiction struggles in the past, and his wife catches him with a bottle of painkillers. And he lies about it and says that, uh, that he wasn't taking them. But he's convicted by the Spirit, and then he confesses that sin, that he, that he lied about taking them. So she forgives him. She says she does. But she's wondering, how does that play out in the consequences now of, of what he's done in our relationship? So there's going to be a struggle with trust for a while. That's going to have to be granted. It's going to have to be, um, be, be earned back in a sense, or, or um, you know, he's going to have to work, work to build that back. But what she's going to have to watch out for is that she doesn't use the consequences of his sin as a constant card against him for an indefinite period of time. Well, I've forgiven you, but I'm going to keep reminding you of this uh, because those are just the consequences of what you've done. So we have, to be, we have to be careful there. Yes, there's going to be consequences for sin, and she rightfully should, uh, both of them should realize that. But if we're forgiving somebody, just like you've, you've, some of you have mentioned, you know, there's, we, we have to be careful that it's in proportion to what they've done. And we can't carry on all the time. Um, we, we just have to think carefully about the consequences of what they've done. And we've got to be careful not to keep bringing that back. Sometimes that happens, but not always. That's probably kind of confusing here. So just stay with me. Let's get some more examples of this when we talk about the specifics, and I think you'll see what I mean. But from a basic level, um, forgiveness doesn't mean the consequences are always eliminated. So God removes our sin as far as the east is from the west. That's a beautiful picture Beautiful promise there in Psalm 103, verses 11 and 12. So God, God removing our sin. Uh, have you noticed that um, that there's a North Pole and a South Pole? 
But have any of you been to the East Pole or the West Pole? <laughs> no, because they're at an infinite distance from each other. So God, God is talking about, at, from this infinite distance, I've taken your sin away. But there are still consequences and discipline. So take a look in 2 Samuel chapter 12, verse 10 and verse 14. So in the Old Testament, this is David's sin, uh, 2 Samuel 12, verses 10 and 14. Can I get someone to read those two verses, please? Second Samuel 12, verses 10 and 14. Now they will return and depart from your house because you have despised me and have taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be your wife. And in 14, however, because by this deed you have given occasion to the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme, the child also that is born to you shall surely die. Yeah, very good. And in verse 13, it says, uh, Nathan said to David, the Lord has also put away your sin. You can see even there that even though God puts away somebody's sin, God covers it, God deals with it, it doesn't mean the consequences are always eliminated. So if we are asking forgiveness from someone, <laughs> excuse me, um, we should come with that understanding that the consequences may not always be eliminated. So we want to avoid cheapening sin. And that, that is, I think, the struggle with unconditional forgiveness. There was a, uh, uh, it's been years ago, but in the Amish community, there was a mass shooter who, who went in and shot up, um, killed a lot of uh, the Amish children. Um, and one of the, one of the parents uh, was on the news and talking about how they had forgiven this person and uh, you know really, really went into that. And I'm not here to criticize her for doing that because that would that is truly a work of, of God in their life to be able to extend that forgiveness. But it comes with some cautions. That person had never owned up to it. That person had never said they're sorry for it. That person had never um, said it was wrong. And so this unconditional view of forgiveness can say something about sin. It can say that it doesn't really matter. Just forgive them and, and, and they don't even have to own up to it or confess it or do anything with it. And I don't think that that's how the Bible presents it. Like sin is cheap, it doesn't matter, the person doesn't have to do anything with it. So we have to, we have to weigh that out. I'm not going to sit here and say that if you do that to somebody, if they haven't asked for forgiveness, and you just go up to them, and you know they've sinned against you, and you say, hey, I forgive you, I'm not saying that you shouldn't do that, okay? So just just uh, for you to understand that. But I am saying that we should take sin seriously because God does. So forgiveness is not forgetting. That's been mentioned already. Forgiveness doesn't mean that we just forget about it. Because when God talks about forgetting our sins, it's not like God has a case of memory loss. We would have a very weak God if we just forgot things. I'd be really worried about that. So when God says that he, he forgets our sins, 
He's saying that I'm not bringing it up against you again. He's not saying that he has no idea that it happened. God could not do that, right? So forgiving doesn't mean we forget. Now, in many cases, just depending on the nature of the sin, it probably does. But the more significant, serious sins, that you may not be able to forget those throughout the context of your life. And people wrestle with that. Um, I'm not sure if I've forgiven the person because I keep remembering what they did to me. Well, maybe, maybe you haven't, but then maybe you're never going to be able to totally forget what's happened. So our goal isn't necessarily to eradicate all those memories of what happened to you. Our goal would be to help you think biblically and carefully about what happened to you and then respond correctly to that. Forgiveness is not excusing. We're not excusing someone's sin. Forgiveness is not avoiding. So according to Psalm 32.1, sin is covered after it is forgiven. So people get that confused. They, they think they know somebody has sinned against them, and they just think, well, I'm not going to worry about it. I'm not going to do anything with it. So we should be good, right? No, you're just avoiding that. And a lot of marriage counseling is this picture of uh, this imagery of a, a, a table covered with all these dirty dishes. And the two people are, are there on opposite ends of the table, and all these dirty dishes are there. But they're they're not they're not considering those. They're they're acting they're trying to act as if those things are not on the table, but they are, <laughs> and it's a problem. And so it's helping them clean those dishes up and put them away to, to take care of those things. So if we're just because we're avoiding something doesn't mean we've forgiven. And then um, forgiveness is not a feeling. It's not a feeling. And so that's one of the objections we'll look at. I don't feel like forgiving. Well, not to sound yes. That's right. Yep. So one of, one of the common struggles that we're looking at is people will say, I don't feel like forgiving them. And we'll look at the biblical response to that. But, but frankly, what we'll see is that, um, that forgiveness is not a feeling. It includes our feelings, but it's a lot more than a feeling. And finally, forgiveness is not a therapy for the offended. Forgiveness is not therapy for the offended. So what I mean by that is people talk about, oh, we should forgive because it makes you feel so much better. That's not why we forgive, because of what it does to us. We forgive because we are releasing the debt. It's not an occasion for self-therapy. We're not forgiving somebody else for what it does for myself. So those are all maybe some common challenges or uh, misunderstandings that people have when it comes to forgiveness. So then let's talk about what forgiveness is. If it's not those things, what is forgiveness? So there in your notes, um, 
says, forgiveness is a demonstration of love. Forgiveness is a demonstration of love. Uh, and the, the scripture passage is Luke 7, uh, 27 through 50. Uh, but we'll, um, I think that's actually 47, not 27. But uh, there Jesus says, Therefore I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she, for she loved much. But he who is forgiven little, loves little. So Jesus connects forgiveness and love together. This can be a little bit surprising. We maybe don't typically think of it like that. But when you're forgiving, you're demonstrating love to the other person. So it's one thing to tell somebody that you love them, but it's another thing to actually show that. How do you demonstrate love? Well, one way is through forgiveness. So those who have been forgiven much will love much. They will be merciful to others, even enemies and sinners. Any thoughts or questions on that uh, as far as maybe a story from your life or maybe how someone has forgiven you? In terms of forgiveness being a demonstration of love? I don't know if I have a, a real story about it, but it, it does highlight to me um, Christians are to be known as people of love. We're also to be the ones who understand sin the greatest mm -hmm. and the weight and burden of that sin. Mm -hmm. And those that verse ties together. We who have been forgiven much should love much. It is sad when, when you're exactly right. It is sad when Christians have the reputation of being the ones that hold the longest grudges, the ones that are slowest to extend grace, the ones that are the most difficult to get along with, uh, the ones that you don't want to cross up. That's that's all a bad bad mark, a bad reputation on us, right? We want to be known for the ones who demonstrate this the best. And all of us probably have stories of either somebody who has forgiven us or a time when we've forgiven somebody else and just the, the love that was shown throughout that process there. So next, uh, forgiveness is our responsibility. Forgiveness is our responsibility. So if we don't forgive, it is a sin. I hope, I hope that we all know that. If we refuse to forgive, then it is a sin. It's our responsibility. God puts it on us. So I like to think of it, you know, maybe in terms of a basketball game where confession of sin is where they have the ball and they're passing it to us. I'm confessing my sin. I'm asking you for forgiveness. So that since they're throwing the ball to us, forgiveness is now we have the ball. What are we going to do with it? If we hold on to it, that's not forgiving. So we forgive by, by saying, I forgive you, and throwing the ball back to them. We're to forgive as God forgave. We mentioned that a little bit already, so I won't go into that a lot. But I want to um, look at Matthew 18 here. And that's a, 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 a 
parable that brings out how our forgiveness is to model the way that God forgave us. So it's one I'm sure you all are familiar with. Matthew 18, verses 21 to 35. Could I get a volunteer to read uh, verses 21 to... 22, and then somebody else, 23 through 35. So anybody for the first two verses there? Thank you. Then can somebody else read 23 through 35? Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, Have patience with me, and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. But when that same servant was one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii, and seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, Pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, Have patience with me, and I will pay you. He refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay that debt. When his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed, and they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. Then his master summoned him and said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. So also my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. Thank you. Very good. So here's a story of that, that really shows if we've been forgiven, we will extend mercy and forgiveness to other people. And Peter starts this story. He's coming up to Jesus asking about a situation that's going on. Uh, Jewish rabbis believe that God only forgave three times. Um, and that they, they only needed to. That's based off of Amos. So there in Amos, it talks about uh, a threefold forgiveness of God. So that's what the Jewish rabbis taught. You're only required to forgive three times, so three strikes, and that person's out. <laughs> you know? Sounds, sounds pretty convenient as long as you're the one who's doing the forgiving and not the one who's the offender. So Peter comes up to Jesus with, with his uh, card in his pocket, you know, the special seven card. And Peter was probably familiar with biblical numbers. He, he realized that seven had a lot of uh, biblical significance. It was used frequently throughout the Bible in some uh, very unique ways. And so he's thinking he's going to show Jesus how spiritual he is by, um, by saying, how about if I forgive him seven times? That goes way beyond what the Jewish rabbis are teaching. And Jesus, of course, um, like he does with every, everything, uh, flips that back on its head. He he completely gives a, an unexpected answer, and he stressed that we should forgive freely and without count. 
So it's not about the 490. He's not expecting us to go around with a little tally book there and counting up the ways that other people have sinned against us. And then when you hit the 490, you're done. His, his point was this, um, this non-counting forgiveness, this, this forgiveness that just continues to go and go and go. So he tells this story right there. Uh, now we could we could ask the, the question right there. I mean, what kind of what kind of person would do this? What kind of person would um, when, when we when we hear the talents? What kind of person would get themselves into this kind of debt? What kind of person would sin like this? Well, we would. That's us. <laughs> so the story is meant to. Meant to point it back on us. We're the we're the person in the story here that that Jesus is talking about. So there's a lot of of course interesting information we could dive into. Uh, people like to know how much is ten thousand talents worth in today's monetary value. All of that is is pretty interesting, but not necessarily essential for anything we have to say. But just in case you were wondering, that's seventeen years wages for ten thousand men. So for 10,000 men, that would be 17 years' wages. It, all the gold in Solomon's temple was only 8,000 talents. And this guy ran up a 10,000 talents debt. So more, more debt than all, all the gold that Solomon had in his height in the temple. And, you know, again, in today's equivalent, this is... Any what people, commentators have suggested anywhere in the, the billions of dollars to the trillions of dollars, right? The point being, it's an unpayable debt. It's not the point of the story to figure out, well, how did you get that much credit? <laughs> Who is this credit card agency there? <laughs> I mean, shouldn't they have checked this guy out? I mean, what, you know, what's going on here? How did he run that much up? That's, that's not the point. Um, the, the point is, he had an unpayable debt. And what do you see his response was? How does he respond? Uh, verse 24, or 20, yeah, verse um, 26. Begs for patience. Uh huh. And what else? He promises to pay, but he's not going to be able to. Yeah. It's just a laughing matter. I mean, everybody knows the guy can't pay it back, but he's he's acting as if he was going to. And so we see then the king's um, the king's response to this. The king forgives. Does he set up a repayment plan? Two thousand years at zero percent interest. <laughs> no. There's no, there's no repayment plan. He, he doesn't even say, you know, give me 10% of this. He doesn't even say, you know, okay, this would be actually realistic for you. Let's do that. He, he forgives it all. So this king is really meant to be a picture of God and the way that he forgives us. This picture of God who's ready to forgive us. So the man is forgiven for the wickedness as well that got him into that. Given the debt and the wickedness that got him into debt. But what do you see his response being? He's forgiven. You know, just imagine that you had this unpayable debt and it was just looming over your head. You owed billions of dollars. 
and you knew they were coming in after you. And back at this time, um, they would they could take any measure to get that money out of you. There wasn't uh, these agencies that we have today, like you work out this deal and we'll negotiate for part of it. There wasn't bankruptcy court. Um, if you couldn't pay the debt, they would come and get you and put you in a prison. And then that would um, they, they could even sell your family to be servants. And really, here's their theory. The guy's holding out on me. So I'm going to make things as hard as I can for him so that he'll come up with the money. Now, that works great if you really do have the money and you're just holding out on them because you're probably going to come up with it then. But it doesn't work so well if you really don't have the money because you're stuck in jail, so you can't work to pay off the debt. <laughs> so it just compounds things, right? So very different from um, you know financial, financial troubles that we have today. It wasn't like that at all. So imagine yourself... Uh, in this situation, you know, it's looming over your head, and you wake up tomorrow, um, and it's been forgiven. How, how would you respond to that? <laughs> Thankfulness. Mm -hmm. I would think so. I think we'd be calling each other. I think there would be... Uh, a celebration, you're probably going out to eat. I mean, you are just so thankful that your debt has been taken care of, care of right here. Uh, but what does this servant do? This, um, this servant then who has been forgiven goes out, he finds a fellow servant who owes him uh, a significant amount of money, all right? So he, I think he owes him about um, what would be equivalent to uh, three months' wages is what it was. So it'd be like this. We're not talking about if somebody owes you $20 in the room and they don't pay you back. You're probably going to forget about that pretty quick. Okay, you know, that's fine. You're not going to make a big deal about it. But if they owe you $5,000, is there anybody here who would be like, eh, don't worry about it? I mean, I don't think most of us aren't going to be like that, right? It's like, that's a big chunk of money. Now, compared to what he had been forgiven, it was very small. But as far if he was just view, viewing it on a person-to-person -person relationship, it was a big chunk of money. So the problem with this first servant is he didn't view his debt in light of how much he had been forgiven. 
So he didn't consider the unpayable debt that he had, how that had been forgiven, and he was just looking at the other servant and making a big deal about that debt. And that's the problem with all of us. If we don't look to the way that God has forgiven us, then we're going to struggle with how other people sin against us. It's going to seem like a great big debt. So the only way we get the perspective right is to always remember how God has forgiven us. That's the only way you can forgive other people, by keeping that in mind right there. So he doesn't, he doesn't forgive. And you can see his actions affect other people. They affected the other servants. The servants see this. They're questioning, like, what's going on with this guy? He was forgiven this big sum, and now he's treating other people like that? Like, that's not right. So if we don't forgive, it affects other people. Um, and then if we don't forgive, we should fear for our salvation. So those who don't forgive should fear for their salvation. And Jesus finishes um, this story here talking about that. He says, So also my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from the heart. So regardless of, you know, there, I understand there can be a couple different ways of interpreting that, but at the very least, there should be a concern for our salvation in the sense of, am I really forgiven if I don't forgive other people? That should be something that we're, we're wrestling with there. So this story is, is really helpful as we think about forgiveness to show that we've got to always remember the debt of which we were forgiven. We've always got to keep that in mind as we interact with other people who then rack up debts against us. Are there any thoughts on that? Any, maybe any times in your life where somebody has sinned against you in a really big way, but you were able to respond well to that by thinking of how God forgave you? Or maybe, maybe times when you didn't forgive so well because you forgot or you didn't think about how God forgave you? We get into this, I'm forgiven, and Jesus died on the cross for my sins. And we say these things that are so normal for us as Christians. Like, they're, they, they're kind of lost their potency. And I thought what Anna had said about did he even recognize how big his debt was is true. Because sometimes it sounds, we can take it just really flippant. Like, oh, he forgave us for our sins, and Jesus died on the cross, and saved me from my sins. And we, we say these things, and we just keep saying these things. But if we don't like really think on the incredible debt, then we just—it's just—it's not meaning. It's not as meaningful. So it's not. It doesn't make any difference to us to go in and forgive the person who then also owes. Um, you know, you talk about having consequences for sin, and we know that we have consequences here mm-hmm. on earth. But I think it's easy for us to forget that we have consequences in eternity as well. But the consequences were paid by someone else. Because God, God tells us that you, there, there is debt for your sin. And so we're racking up all this debt. And so we do absolutely have consequences even beyond mm-hmm. our debt for sin. But we so quickly forget that Jesus actually took all of the pain and all of the consequence for every single thing. 
And it's so it's kind of the, I mean it's the same thing, right? If we don't think about how painful and horrible that that consequence would be for all of our sin, then we just flippantly say, He died for our sins and thanks Lord that you died for our sins and that we're forgiven. It's just so easy to come out of our mouths without having the thought behind it and the thinking. So then with forgiving other people, it's not as important because what our own forgiveness was wasn't that important to us. Does that make any sense? Mm -hmm. I think sometimes it's just really easy for me to go about my day and not think on the depth of my sin and the consequence that was taken for me. But when I think on that and am truly grateful, like this man should have been, if he realized the depth of that debt, then it should be easy, easy for me. I should be willing, I guess is a better word. I should be more willing to extend that to others. Yeah. Because it wasn't easy for Jesus to take that on. Mm -hmm. You talk about love, and in his great love, he was willing to do that. Mm-hmm. Good. I'm sure, I'm sure at some point, you know, we've all wrestled with this in some way. I, I think, you know, we'd, just be, we'd be silly if not to think that we haven't struggled in some way with either forgiving somebody um, or maybe even having them forgive us. So why should we forgive? We'll wrap this up here in just a couple minutes. So why should we forgive? Well, one, it shows that we're obeying God. We're, we're obeying God through forgiving. It's always loving of other people to love God. So in other words, uh, forgiveness is a way that shows that we're obeying God. It demonstrates love. Secondly, it honors the other person. It honors them. It shows that you want to be reconciled with them. That's what Philippians 2.3 lived out. And it's also loving to the other person because we're helping them please God. We're loving them by helping them please God. So if they've sinned against us, we forgive them. That is loving to them because it's helping them please God because they've done the right thing. So it's loving to the other person in that we're releasing them from the burden of paying back the interest daily on the outstanding note. I like to, I like to think of that imagery right there. So when you're, when you're not forgiving somebody, you're making them pay daily interest on the outstanding debt. Day by day, they're reminded that they still have a debt against you that's accumulating interest. And by forgiving them, we are releasing them from the burden of paying that. Now that then brings us to uh, a number of different struggles. And because I think um, because I think that this topic is important, forgiving one another, and because. There's a lot of these particulars that many of you experience. Um, I'm going to pick back up on this next week before we move into another one another. So I want to get real practical with these. You know, average struggles that we may have, 
and how do we respond to those? And so what I'd ask you to do is, uh, I haven't given you the answers there, but go through those if you have time and write down what you think. How would you respond to that struggle? And then what other struggles might be important for us to discuss? So I'm thinking a lot of people have, you know, just different circumstances where it's, it's not your common, ordinary, run-of-the-mill forgiveness. Maybe it's been abuse. Maybe it's been, I don't know, some, some example. And you're thinking, well, I just, don't, I just don't know how to go forward with that. How am I supposed to think about forgiveness in this life? We can talk about some of those things. So we will pick back up on this next week. And then uh, we will move forward into the next one another. So thank you for coming. Uh, I hope you have a blessed week.